Become spellweavers, reavers, rogues, and men-at-arms, and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min-maxers, horny bards, and blood-soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role-playing games here on Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, where we are making the old school young again. I'm your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and joining me this evening is a guy that you all should recognize. He is one of the organizers of the Long Con and Longview, Texas. He is one of the hosts of the No Class RPG podcast, as well as their live Dungeon Crawl Classic show that they do in conjunction with Goodman Games. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Matt Gullett here on Rolling Bones. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Ryan. It's great to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time to come on. Well, getting a little bit of feedback, I think. Gotcha. If you can, uh, if you mute the YouTube video, if you just hit the the volume button there, oh. then you can go through your speakers and there we go. There won't Got be as much it. of a delay. Much okay. okay, that's what the. I was wondering what was going on. Like I said, like they always tease me. I'm the old guy in technology. You know. Okay. It, it's all good. In my continual uh, cursed attempt to interview Ben Barsh uh, as well as Bill Barsh, we had two. Uh, consecutive computer crashes a couple weeks ago, so uh, that is not the worst tech snafu we've even had recently on here. Okay, that makes me feel a little better. Um, yeah, so both of the double Bs were trouble. Not a surprise there. Absolutely. Yeah, I, Ben and I were supposed to do an interview uh, back when Endless Encounters first went on Kickstarter, and scheduling conflicts kept us from actually doing that. And then I tried to do one with both him and his dad and the computer crashes. So that's, it, it used to be uh, David Beatty was the cursed interview, and now it's become Ben Barsh. So. Oh. <laughs> all, all good guys there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I did figure it out eventually with, uh, with uh, David, and I'm pretty sure I've got it figured out with uh, the Barshes. So hopefully we can, uh, we can get that kicking next month. Awesome. Cool. Well, well, Matt, this is your first time on Rolling Bones, so I've got questions everyone gets asked when they come on this show. Uh, so let's begin at the beginning here. How did you get into RPGs uh, as a whole? Uh, it would have been around the 19, around 1980 or so. Um, I had an older friend, which I was you know, probably, what, 11 or so. He would have been 13, 14 years old, and uh, he introduced me to AD&D. He had started playing it at high school and uh, got me into it. And yeah, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I had a lot of fun with it. And um, yeah, it just kind of took off from there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, so in that's about years. Gotcha. 
Now, in the time that you've been playing RPGs, and I know this is a this is a hard question for a lot of people to answer, so whatever criteria you evaluate a favorite game based on, whether it's your favorite now, your favorite historically, uh, what would you say is your favorite RPG? Yeah, that thanks. That, that's a great question, but it's a it is a tough one because I played so many games and so many systems as a player and, and ran games. It's it's tough, but I'll probably say because uh, I love anything, uh, almost anything post apocalyptic, particularly like science fantasy. And so probably I have a real nostalgia for Gamma World. Gotcha. Yeah that that is a that's a crowd favorite here on Rolling Bones. I have not actually played Gamma World myself. I've only played Mutant Crawl Classics, but. Uh, you know, Gamma World's one of those games that I hope to get in on at at one of the conventions at some point. It's kind of interesting. That's how I got introduced to MCC was you can't hardly get into a Gamma World game at uh, North Texas. There are Gamma World games, but they're apparently I think they're just highly sought after and people you clamor for those. And so um, on a goof, uh, someone told me MCC, it was actually in playtesting. And that it was going to be, you know, similar, uh, you know, to Gamble World. And so I played that, and Jim runs a great game, and uh, Michael Bolin was in that game, and really helpful about, you know, I'd never played those type of games before. And uh, anyway, yeah, that's what pretty much uh, set the hook for uh, uh, Goodman Games for me. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, those of us who devote a lot of time to this hobby... Uh, we, we tend to kind of get stuck in habits when we run games and when we play in games, and it just ends up being how we like to play the game. So if you had to, uh, you know, pick a play style as far as, you know, how you like to run your games and how you like to play, uh, you know, what would that be for you? Well, and it's it's like uh, whenever I was fortunate enough to have been uh, chosen as roadworthy, uh, your Goodman Games gave me a questionnaire. And one of the things I mentioned was I, I like a system that's generally more rules light because I find sometimes the rules impede me as a game master and as a player, and they can get in the way of my storytelling or interacting with the story. And uh, so I like more rules light. Um, and I used to be a big, like when I was a kid, we, we couldn't really get our hands on miniatures. We didn't have a nearby hobby shop to get all that stuff. And so we use, you know, nickels, dimes, pennies, whatever. But as I got older and miniatures became more readily available and I had, you know, some cash, I got really into miniatures for a while and all that. But um, but I, as again, as I get older, I'm moving further away from a lot of props and I'm doing more theater of the mind mm-hmm. these days. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, this next question is another one that's, again, pretty hard for people to answer because those of us who put a lot of time into this hobby, we do so because we have great memories tied up with it. But if you had to pick a fondest RPG memory, what would that be? Oh, wow. That's that again, that's kind of a a tough one. So like, like a, a a story. Uh, So the guy that got me into gaming was running a, uh, a supers campaign and there was a beloved NPC and this is when you know, like the role playing is good because uh, this NPC was just so beloved. And during one scenario, 
uh, this NPC died. And I mean, like the guys were beating the table and walking away furious. <laughs> One of the girls at the table was like on the verge of tears or something. And everybody was just really bummed out that this make-believe, you know, person was going to be dead. And then luckily I was like, wait, what about that one rule? And the game master was like, oh, you know, you're right. And he made a roll and he's like, he's still alive. And the table cheered and we're all hugging. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. you know, and I mean, so that's what I, I you know, when people go, and eh, role playing. I mean, you know, this, this was a beloved make-believe character, you know what I mean? So that was a really fun campaign, a great character. And yeah, that's, that's one story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's always interesting. The NPCs that uh, players latch on to. I've had players at my tables burn spell slots to keep NPCs alive. Wow. <laughs> well, then you're then you're doing a good job, huh? Yeah, it's it, and it, it's never who you expect it to be. You you always think. I feel like every game master at some point has an NPC where they're like, this is the one that's going to stick with my party. This is going to be kind of their, uh, their Charlie from Charlie's Angels or their, their M or their Q. This is going to be the one that they continuously go back to. And they're just like, no, we hate that guy. And they latch onto some rando that you just stuck in a tavern to have someone there. Yeah. And uh, that's classic. That's, you know, that's, yeah. One of those things that, you have some throwaway character and they glom onto them and like, we want to know their backstory. What are they about? And you're thinking, I just made this person <laughs> up for, you know, yeah, yeah, the barkeep. But yeah, um, well, I was running during fourth edition. I know it was much maligned. People like, you know, fourth edition. But during the fourth edition era, um, me and a, a buddy were taking turns running this campaign we ran for a year and a half. And it was uh, Scales of Scales of War. I believe that was a, it was a published uh, you know, Watsy campaign. And at one point, the characters were going to interact in this city. And I really, for whatever reason, thought it would be better if they had an, a local that they could interact with and could kind of help them as a guide. It's not even in the adventure, but uh, I just called him Iron Guts. Just off the cuff, off the cuff, I made him up. They love this character and they <laughs> want his antics and keep up with him and seek him out. And when a buddy went to run the adventure, he's like, I don't see where Iron Guts is even in there. I'm like, that's just somebody I made up. But I mean, <laughs> Year later, years later, they were like, oh, we loved Iron Guts. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then one last introductory question for you here. And I'll tell you, the answer to this question can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. Uh, Matt, if you could put anything with the exception of the Long Con logo, but if you could put anything on a T-shirt, what would it be? Um, I'll tell you... Uh, there's a piece of artwork in MCC. I think it's around like page 160. It's in like the artifact section. And it's a bunch of, uh, you know, mutants and hunter scavengers or whatever. They're facing off against this female in this really cool looking like power armor, like combat battle suit or whatever. It's a big full page uh, piece of artwork that uh, uh, Kovacs did. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I'd love to blow it up, make a poster of it. I'd love it on a t shirt. In fact, Kovacs was at uh, North Texas, and I was looking through his art book for it, and I was gonna, I was gonna buy it if he had it because I just love that piece of artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, Kovacs artwork would make for some great T-shirts. Yeah, I, I just, I like his style. Um, that's really how DCC grabbed me. Was what part of it was just I love that old school, old style artwork. It's not too polished, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And a little. 
separated kind of wild. Yeah, I, I've gushed about Doug Kovacs on the show before, and I say this with, uh, you know, as the highest form of compliment. There's stuff in the DCC book and the MCC book that you could just imagine, like, on the side of someone's van at, like, a Blind Guardian show. And it, it really is some great stuff uh, that, that he puts in there. Absolutely. Now, uh... Now that we've got the uh, introductory questions out of the way, first of all, I want to say hi to uh, Chris Kirby, Crafty Matt, and of course Lou Lou here in chat, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for showing up and and uh, chatting with us today. And uh, this is kind of an out of left field question, but this is something I've been thinking about uh, in preparation for this interview. Uh, you guys are running this convention out of Longview, Texas. Obviously, there's a North Texas RPG convention in uh, you know the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, ReaperCon is in Texas. There's a lot of really strong kind of gaming in Texas. Oh, yeah. What is it about Texas that you feel kind of uh, makes the gaming community so strong there? You know, that is a really great question. And, you know, and now that you, as you're asking that question, I thought about it. Back in the day when I was involved with the Living Greyhawk campaign back in 3.5 D&D, you know, like some states didn't even have a, uh, a Living Greyhawk campaign. And like Texas had like five of them, you know what I mean? But it is a big state. I mean, so when you think about, uh, you know, how, how big it is, the number of people... I don't know. It, that's that's a great question. I mean, there's a number of colleges. Uh, I mean, because historically, it seemed like students were more drawn. But, I, you know, that is a brilliant question. And maybe we can get some feedback from the, uh, the chat. But, you know, I, I really couldn't, I can't put my finger on exactly, you know, why. You know, but that's a great question. It's... It's one of those things, I asked uh, Casey Christofferson when he was on here uh, a while ago what it was about the Midwest that kind of, you know, created that gaming energy uh, that obviously the Midwest is where, uh, you know, RPGs were born more or less. Uh, There's a similar vibe in Texas, but I can't quite put my finger on what it is that, uh, you know, makes... Texas, kind of this this nexus point of RPGs. The only thing I could come up with, the only theory that I had about that was there's just this uh, outpouring of energy from cross planes that uh, that Robert E. Howard left when when he left this world, and it's just hovering over top of the Lone Star State to this day. And so uh, the the gaming world in Texas is blessed with uh, with the leftover creative energy of Robert E. Howard, I suppose. You know what? I like that. We're gonna go with that. But yeah, me and Eddie, we made the the home, the, the 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 mech of the trek, you know, the trip there. And I mean, no, nothing's close to anything in Texas. It was an all day affair, but it was cool. We got to go see, you know, the homestead, and there was a like a ninety year old lady that the 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 uh, the city had delegated to be the person to give the tour. And it's funny, she's like she remembers because she's old enough, like uh, Doctor Howard, you know. Uh, REH's dad making house calls and we heard some really neat stories. I'd highly suggest it to anybody. It's it's really neat. Mm-hmm. I 
I will eventually make it out there, and when I make it out there, I will see if anyone actually believes that I'm part of the family. So that's something to look forward to. I even got my wife to agree. I was like, "You're not. You don't want to go to Cross Plains with me, do you?" And she's like, "Well, if we're gonna go see the Robert E. Howard House, then yeah, I'll go with you. I can't get her to go with me to North Texas, but I can. I can get her to go uh, to Cross Plains with me at some point." There you go. She, she's a keeper then. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, the the first kind of specific question to you that, that I really want to ask here, um, Levi Combs let it slip last week that you were the first person to kind of show him Dungeon Crawl Classics. So how did you encounter DCC, and how did you get to the point where uh, you know, you were running games essentially on behalf of, of Goodman Games themselves. Okay. Um, it, again, great question. Thanks for asking. That. So, uh, as I alluded to before, I love post-APOC, and it's it's so... There's a number of Gamble World games, but not as many as I would like, and they're hard to get into. Can be, you know, at North Texas. So, um, I heard some good things about uh, Jim, and... Um, and it was going to be, he was, he was actually beta testing. He was in testing uh, MCC. So I fell on the table and as we're playing, my, and that what part of it, I probably got to give thanks to Michael Bolum. He's just a super nice guy. At the time, I didn't know who he was, but as you get into that DCC community, it's such a tight knit community. And there's all these people that stand out that, you know, when you get into it, like, oh, that's David and that's Jeff and that's, you know, Michael or whatever. And, and you, know, you see him at these cons and, Posting in the same areas, and they're really good about giving you feedback and answering questions. It's a great community, but anyway, I digress. Um, so I'm, I was playing MCC, and I was like, "Man, this game is awesome!" And uh, they went like, "Yeah, it uses the engine from DCC." And uh, I, and I'll, I'll tell the story. I feel kind of bad, but I had seen, and I'm that guy. When I go to a con, I try to play games I've never played before. I tell anybody, that's the beauty of cons, you know, good luck trying to get people to run this game or that game, but at a con, somebody's probably running one of these oddball, different uh, niche, you know, whatever, you know, kind of games. It's a great chance to play those. And I had seen DCC, but the name for me was off-putting, because when I was a kid, yeah, it's all we did was dungeon crawls, where it's just, I do this map during algebra when I should have been paying attention to class, and uh, I'm going to stock it with some random monsters that make no sense. There's like a dragon in one room and orcs next to them. Why hasn't the orc eaten the, the dragon eating the orcs? Well, who knows? And then there's ogres. Well, why haven't they subjugated the orcs, you know, that are just down the hall? You know, you don't think about this as a kid. And so, uh, but having played MCC, oh, man, I, I immediately left that table and went over to the Black Blade publishing table where... Uh, my, my friend these days, again, I know him now, Hirschberger, he's like, here's the core book, here's a screen, here's a handful of modules, here's a tube of dice. And I was bought and sold right there, you know what I mean? And I, I just loved the game. And so I started running it, and uh, I did a home campaign. And people will say that, oh, DCC is only good for one-offs, you know, or whatever. But no, I mean, I ran a campaign in it for about a year at, at home uh, with some friends, and we had a lot of fun. Um, but knowing that I want to play the game, I thought, well, I need to Johnny Appleseed this. Let me start getting people to play it locally, and then maybe I'll get to play, you know? Yep. And so I went to Shreveport and to Tyler and, you know, all around the Arplitex 
running games. And I ran, then I realized they had a system where you could get credit for running these games. Um, you know, the road crew or whatever. And uh, I love getting the free swag to give away to people. I love giving stuff. Well, that's me and Eddie. We never made a, a penny with Long Con because anything we made after we paid for the hotel room, we turn around and buy freebies and stuff to give away to our con goers. We love giving stuff away. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I got all that credit. I got the belt buckle, you know, that that first year running all these games. And, and it did really well because I know that stores around the area now carry their product. And I, I'll talk to them and they go, yeah, we sell it. I'm like, well, who's playing? Because I don't know these people and I want to play with them. But I'm, I'm glad that I could help get the stores to carry it and, and introduce it to people. And, and we, I've actually got to play with a few people that I kind of got into. And Eddie... You know, at first, I don't know where he was, but he quickly liked, found he liked it, and he started running it, and he was he ended up running more games than I did I, one year, you know, and so we, we just had a lot, and we'd go to support each other, because you might go and figure, eh, if we're lucky, there'll be three people, you end up having two, pa- two tables worth of people, so then Eddie would break off and run a table, and then sometimes you'd have people that said they were going to be there and not show up, and so Eddie or I could fill in the table to help out, you know, to get the numbers to play, but that's, that's how we got into it. Lou makes an interesting point here in chat, uh, that he's thought about whether dungeon crawl classics or mutant crawl classics would benefit from some kind of name change. And I have to echo his sentiments there. When I first heard about the games, uh, I heard the name and I was just like, that sounds, I don't know. On, on one hand, it sounds boring. On the other hand, it sounds like something you'd buy from Time Life Books off of a uh, off of a like TV commercial. Get the get the 150 best dungeons of all time with Dungeon Crawl Classics for four payments of 15.99. And yeah, yeah. so I, I'm not. I, I felt bad saying that, but I heard the same sentiment. They're like the name probably doesn't help sell it. But once people get past that, I mean, it's it's great. You know, mm-hmm. the hook is. Yeah, you almost have to waylay people with it. Just be like, "All right, let's let's play a role playing game," or let's play even straight up lying to people and be like, "We're gonna play Dungeons and Dragons," and sit down, and you're just like, "Here's this big book that's not D and D. It is, yeah, but that, it's not." Yeah, and, and I won't lie. In the early days, sometimes I would with people I knew from the gaming. Like back in Shoe Park, hey, come out this weekend, we're going to run some games. And they probably assumed it was going to be the world's oldest role-playing game. And <laughs> I let them think that. And then they'd show up and I would, you know, I would wave them. But, you know, it's kind of like I had this conversation with uh, with uh, Ben Burns just the other day that, honestly, as a player, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's some of these games can be pretty crunchy. But overall, it's swords and goblins and magic missiles and elves and, you know, the, the the hardest work is on the game master to know the new system. As a player, it's like, I want to swing at the goblin. All right, roll that dice. Okay, you hit. I mean, it's, it's I don't see people get all in a dither about trying a new game because, you know, I mean, <laughs> as long as the game master knows what he or she knows what they're doing. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, you also hit on something kind of interesting that that I've discovered, and something that's made me want to stick kind of within these old school circles, OSR circles, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I stumble over the phrase RPG community because that's like saying the television watching community to me. It's such a big category that 
fits so many different things in it. It's hard to call. It, it's hard to see what OSR gamers have in common with like vampire larpers and what they have in common with uh, you know people who play uh, super crunchy uh, games like uh, like Pathfinder or even uh, you know some of the even more crunchy ones beyond that. So I. Again, I, I don't feel like it's a community, but the OSR, I feel like, is a community. And all of these circles that you run into inside the circle of the OSR are very welcoming and very kind of... It's like a family, or a, at least a group of really close friends, where, you know, once you get in with the, the Dungeon Crawl Classics group, uh, you know everyone in it, everyone's cool, Every it's always, oh, hey, it's good to see you here. Same thing, like with the Frog God guys. Same thing with uh, the Independent Publishers Union. They're they're super cool about that stuff. So that's something that I really value and, and really enjoy about the uh, the old school gaming world. It's just yeah, it's a really neat community, and there's a lot of really good people that are they're they're very encouraging. Like when I talked about trying to to publish something, because um, yeah, Eddie did a, a module and. Uh, uh, Carnage in the Casino. It's really great. A lot of fun. Um, I wanted to do something. And as soon as I put that out there, I had people like Levi, Skeeter Green, Lou, they, uh, uh, you know, Bill Barsh running Bill Burns to, hey, man, here's a great artist. Uh, you know, if you need any help, call me. Here's some tips. You know, it, you reach out if you need anything. They're all just such a great bunch of guys. And they're all, you figure it could be competitive or kind of, whatever they're actually very supportive of each other and it's just a great bunch of all the all the indie guys are all just really great <laughs> crafty matt here has a, a great question uh one that i actually had and was was about to ask uh people associate dcc with the funnel and then it seems like they kind of fall off of it after they get through the the funnel aspect uh how do you get people to stick with it kind of through that and I'll add, how do you get people to come to the table knowing that they're going to start off playing uh, a farmer who picked up a sword by accident? I mean, it, it's funny because um, I was going to run a game for a couple of guys I knew from back in the old 3.5 days, and I jumped straight into a first little adventure because I thought they'll totally hate the concept of the funnel. And after the end of the night, they were, hey, this DCC is a pretty cool game, and they had fun with the adventure. Um, it was a it was a Harley Stroh one. It was a good one. Um, I, I started talking about what I will. I said I almost ran y'all on a funnel. And as I'm explaining the concept to one of the guys, he went, "Oh man, I wish you'd done that. That sounds like a ton of fun." And I was I was kicking myself like I should have done that. But I mean, I, in all the times that I've run a crap ton of funnels, I've only ever had one or two people that kind of sit there and like. <gasps> like gasp, like you killed my character. And I just laugh and I go, see that stack in the middle of the table? There's going to be more, bud. You know I mean? You just, you know, you better, better strap in, you know, you're going to get this upset when your first zero dies. <laughs> well, look out, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I, funnels are, are great, but I, it's like, I think we're, you might be getting at that, that sometimes that's a big association for DCC. And, um, but it's, it's, it's absolutely so much more than that. Like I said, I ran a campaign and people, I'll, I'll tell myself, when I was first learning DCC on forums, people go, well, you can't do a campaign in DCC. And I'm just hard-headed enough. I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I, and I said, I ran a campaign for a year. But what I found is 
I had to let the characters level really slow. Like in a year or a year plus, they were just about to crest over to fourth level when we were finishing. Because it just seems like at the higher levels, uh, it, it's really hard to challenge the players. But you, maybe somebody else out there would go, oh, you know, could give me some tips. But I find that the, the game kind of goes off the rails a little bit at the higher levels. But um, it, it's so much fun. You know, and I love the spell casting and, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the warrior die and all that stuff. The deed die. I love okay. all of that. Yeah. The, the deed die. I'm coming from a largely fifth edition D and D background. Uh, when, when I picked up DCC for the first time and the deed die is so much better than, uh, now I can't even remember what they're called. The, the battle master die that you use when you're a battle master fighter in 5e it's just, it, it's so simple. You come up with the cool thing you're going to do, and then you roll this die with your attack to, you know, see if it happens, and then you get to add that to your dance. It's, it's a cool mechanic. It is a super cool mechanic. I'll tell you that, you know, through the years, I've, I've never, hardly ever played Warriors because it was just, I swing. All right, next turn, what are you doing? I swing, you know. But with the D die, oh, man, when I go to cons, I play Dwarves and Warriors because... For the for the clever player, the warrior can really shine because it's like, well, I'm gonna kick sand the guy's eye. I'm gonna blind him as I charge in. All right, roll your D die. Oh, you got a three or higher. You kick sand their eyes, or you know, I'm gonna slash across their brow and you know, make blood go in their eyes to blind them. Or I'm gonna disarm them, or I'm gonna you know, shield bash them, or trip them, or disarm whatever. And that's what was always disappointing about 3.5 D and D for me was. People were playing a warrior knight. Like, well, I want to. I want to disarm the guy. Would well, you have the special feat for that? Well, no. Well, okay. You're going to be a disadvantage or whatever. They, you know, all these hassles. And they were like, "This is basic warrior stuff. I have to have a special feat. Yeah, yeah. You got to have all these feats to shield bash, disarm, trip. And it was. I didn't like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love the, it's the deed does brilliant, and amongst many many other brilliant aspects. Yeah. Absolutely. Product placement. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it comes to kind of, you know, the the podcast that you do, t- tell us a little bit about what you guys have going on with the uh, the No Class RPG podcast and uh, also the, the live gaming that you guys do as well. Sure, sure. And, and again, thanks for asking. Um, you know, uh, I don't even... Oh, I know. So me and Eddie were invited to be on somebody's podcast and, and we were just so excited, you know, I mean, just, I won't lie. We were just totally like, we thought we were rock stars. We had arrived you know, we we're going to be on a podcast and, uh, and we went and, and we enjoyed it and we had a good time, but I'll tell you this about Eddie and he, I, he wouldn't, I think be, think I talking out of school about him, but he's, he's that guy who's like, if you do something, he's like, I can do it better. And I mean, I don't care how good you do it. You know, I can do it better, you know. And uh, but that comes across in the fact that he's a perfectionist and he makes us look good. I won't, I, Eddie does the lion's share of the work with, um, uh, with the podcast, with uh, the con, and, uh, and, it, and it shows. He is a perfectionist, you know. But uh, so we did, we were on this podcast and he goes, why don't we try doing one? And I'm like, nah, all right, you know, I mean, typical me. He says, let's do something. I'm like, nah, all right, you know, whatever. I'm pretty easy going. And so we started doing the podcast and I initially, you know, we had like three faithful listeners or something, <laughs> but honestly it worked out. I'm so busy. My life is just 
if, if, if pressure makes diamonds, I'm a 24 karat gold. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it would honestly be a chance for us to sit down and catch up on what have we been watching? What video games have we been playing? What comics have we read? You know, um, what, you know, whatever. And, and so uh, that's kind of how it played out. And that's what people have said. They feel like they're a pal that's sitting in the room that can't get ordered edgewise because <laughs> we're just riffing on, you know, whatever we've been, like we call it the pop culture part, but it's whatever we've been into in the last two weeks. We might not see each other between when we do these podcasts. And so it, we really love it. And, and that comes across, I think, to people. Um, and Annie and I are, you know, we've been friends for over a decade, so we totally crack on each other and bust each other's chops. And people love it. Yeah, Eddie's got a quick wit, and he'll he'll zing me. And every great now and again, I get to zing him or <laughs> or put one back or whatever on him. Rarely, mm-hmm. but anyway, we have a lot of fun with it. And um, and we try to have like a role playing centric topic at the end, and then like at the front part, we'll talk about kind of geek nerd culture, uh, you know. And and we always start off talking about long con, and we've got like a guy from the UK and someone from California and people. You know, elsewhere now. So we're really excited. We've got, you know, a diverse listeners. And even some of them, they're not really there anymore for the role-playing tidbit. They're there for the pop culture. And some people just say they're there for the repartee where Eddie and I are cracking on each other and, you know, being goofy or whatever, but mm-hmm. telling bad jokes. You know. <laughs> and, and so now I think you asked about the, the Twitch. So I think Eddie had been in communication with Joseph Goodman of Goodman Games and they were talking, Eddie was working with him to get his adventure, you know, published and get the official seal of approval from Goodman Games. And as they were communicating, and I could be telling the story wrong, that's why, you know, um, uh, I think it came up that, like, you know, we'd had Brendan out to our con, uh, and Brendan had a great time. And even though we're not a, a big con, there's a real lot of love for Goodman Games at our con. Half of our games or more will be you know, DCC, MCC, America, Space Crawl, uh, Cyber Sprawl Classics. I mean, it's that whole diverse of Weird Frontiers, of course. And we've had, you know, Beatty, this will be our third year to have Beatty, and this will be our second year to have Brendan. And so I think talking about that, and we talked about one of our better podcasts that has good listener numbers was the one where we had uh, a Brendan on there. And Eddie asked him some brilliant questions while I was trying to stay awake because I had been I did a midnight madness game the night before like a big you know goofball and uh anyway so I think that's when Joseph said hey why don't you guys consider joining our uh Goodman Games Twitch channel and so Eddie was like hey hey you know we're gonna be on Twitch and I'm like what's Twitch you know I'm <laughs> Anyway, he always teases me, I'm the old man. But no, um, so that's how that kind of came about. And we've done a couple of those and we've had a lot of fun, but we missed July because of COVID because we both had it. And then we missed this month because just my schedule has been ridiculous, you know, busy, a lot of stuff in my personal life. But no, we've had a lot of fun. And I thought, well, does anybody even miss it? Ironically, just today I had two or three people going, hey, when are y'all going to do another Twitch? So we'll see. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, based on what you said uh, about Eddie being a perfectionist, Eddie, when, when we bring you on Rolling Bones, I expect you to try to one-up uh, Matt here. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, he'll, he, I'm sure he'll tell the story you know, differently. <laughs> all of, yeah. but, you know, It's all good. I, I, I've been going to embellish a little bit. You know? 
Just, just, a, just a skosh. Mm. So, when it comes to getting started with the long con, what was it that made you guys kind of want to set this thing up, and how did you go about starting it in in kind of the first year that you decided you were going to put this thing on? Yeah. So uh, we went to North Texas, which, by the way, I'll tell anybody out there. Best con around. If you can only go to one con, go to North Texas RPG Con. Uh, we love it. We went, you know, one time years ago, and we've been, we've been every time since. Always a great time. Great people. A lot of fun. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we had, we went to, I think, the third year of uh, North Texas. Had a blast. We were just walk-ups. Had a great stories. A lot of fun. And we, we, uh, we kept coming back. Well, after about the third year or so, one day Eddie was like, man, you know, wouldn't it be great all these friends we've made, people we know from North Texas, if we could see them more than once a year. Because, I mean, we'd go the whole year just pining to hang out with our, our good friends from West Texas. There's a bunch of cowboys from West Texas that are just great guys, salt to the earth, and it's just so much fun to hang out and game with those guys. Mm-hmm. We'd see them once a year. And then there's, you know, Gary and, and Bad Mike and, I, you know, someone, I'll leave somebody else. I'll feel bad, so I'm just going to stop. Because there's all, I could go on and on and on for an hour about all the people we know there that we've met through the years and game with, you know, that are just amazing people. And so we thought, man, wouldn't it be great if we could see them more than once a year? And I, so we're, we put our heads together. And we're like, why don't we do a con just down the road? Maybe we could lure some of those people to come. And I mean, initially, uh, you know, that was kind of the hope. And as time has marched on, we've had some of those people, you know, start to trickle in. Um, and then the other thing is we've made so many good friends through our con that are people from Shreveport or Austin or Houston. And we've even funneled some of them to North Texas. Um, a good friend of ours, John Watson, he was at the very first long con and he drove all the way out from Dallas and he bought Sean Roberson with him. And at the time we didn't know Sean, but you know, I, and, and, and he even brought another friend and uh, they had such a great time. Uh, John's been to every one of the long cons and he's one of our biggest supporters, a great guy. He does some work for Torg, you know, the <laughs> game Torg now. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, but that's that's kind of how we got started. And initially I told Eddie, I was like, well, you know, because I helped run a con back in the, the uh, Living Greyhawk days. There was a con out of Shreveport, Bossier called BroCon. And I helped a couple of guys, friends of mine, uh, Tad Savell and Bobby Howell, God rest his soul. Um, I helped them run that con. So I knew a little bit about the ins and outs or whatever. And uh, so it gave us the hubris to think, oh, yeah, it'll be easy, it'll be great, we'll do a con, you know, and and uh, it's really, Eddie does a lot of work, and I don't, I don't, I don't like to brag, but I'm going to brag, we had people the very first year that were like, this is your first con, like, I've been to cons five times this size, I've been going for years, and they're not, they don't run this smoothly, and they were just really raving, and we've had people give us a lot of uh, uh, positive feedback, that's because Eddie does a great job, and he's a perfectionist, and, and, uh, and, and, and for a two-man operation, it's just me and Eddie. I mean, um, because I know my ex-wife and his current wife, they're like, I'm not helping you. You're in your own. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's just us. But I think it goes really smooth, and it's a it's a labor of love. And we don't make any money, but we just, we really, we love gaming, and we love the people that we've met through uh, Red River Con that we did briefly in Shreveport for a couple of years, and Long Con, and the people that we know from North Texas. And so... We just wanted more of that, that fun with those good people, the good game. Gotcha. 
Now, this is something that I've been, again, thinking about quite a bit recently, and I know uh, there's a lot that goes into just making a con run kind of at baseline smoothness. But if you had to pick the five most important things for a brand new convention, uh, you know, someone's just setting up a convention uh, for the first time, if you had to pick like the, the five most important things... Uh, that they would need to get together, what would those be? Well, I mean, number one, this seems common sense, but location. And I say that because when we try to do our con in Shreveport, what worked against us was most of the places were just ridiculously expensive or t- that would have the space. And uh, that's going to be kind of that stumbling block because, like, once you've proven yourself, like, we've done enough. We've been This is our sixth year. Mm-hmm. And so we moved to a new location this year. Uh, we thought, man, they're going to charge us an arm and a leg. And, and it still costs money, but they gave us a, a fairly preferential deal because they were like, well, you guys have proven yourself. You've obviously got the acumen and and you're, you've done this for, this will be your sixth year. And we told them we intend to keep doing this until one of us keels over. And um, if I don't lay up the barbecue, that'll be me. But um, we, uh, but we, uh, uh, but yeah, but, uh, but getting into a place can be tough. And that's where I feel bad for kind of start this out because to have the space, it can be tough. But for us, we started at the Hampton. We, well, we first went to this one place that's really big and they were like, it'll be $1 million, you know? And we we're like, Ugh. so we went to, I'm joking, but I mean, it yeah. was, so we went to the Hampton and they had a conference room that was just big enough. And we we're like, well, how much for one day just to test the waters? And they gave us a, a pretty reasonable price. And so we only charged like $5 for one day, the very first time we did it, and we thought, ah, Longview, Texas, and we had run some games at local game stores for people, so we thought, well, that'll help. You know, and we tried to do a little bit of advertising, but not, you know, much, and we had 75 people show up the very first one, and I mean, I was blown away. I thought that was really good, so we really were full of ourselves, you know, um, but that's why I'd say, yeah, the, the, that, that location, and if you're lucky, maybe you can find a school that you, if you do need the proceeds of them, you could use their gymnasium or, I, you know, this is the South. You'd be surprised those 21st century, maybe somebody's church, you know, might yep. let you use their, you know, their rec center or whatever. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't maybe play the D D card too hard, but you know, <laughs> role playing games, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, but, but we don't have all that satanic pain stuff anymore. Uh, so I definitely, you know, location would be your first important thing, your stumbling block. Uh, we're really blessed in that regard that we have a really great new location that we've moved to. And then the other thing, and I told Eddie this at first, he said, well, what, what gives you pause when I talk about us doing a con? I said, you know, you got to have game masters and game mistresses. You've got to have people to run games. And I, and I, I have to throw stones, but in this day and age, it seems even more endemic that everybody wants to play games, but not yeah. a lot of people want to run them. And so I, that was my real concern. But luckily, we've been blessed. And, like, you know, we've had people that came in and have left since. But, like, for instance, uh, James Ward, a good friend of ours locally, and I love saying Jim Ward. The Jim Ward, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, but our friend. But he runs a brilliant Call of Cthulhu game, and he's just a, a phenomenal human being, a great guy, a great gamer. He, he, ran, he was a workhorse. In our early cons, he ran the whole con. And there was a, a, a guy named Kesley that used to come and people loved his games. People people would duck out of other games to get into his game. <laughs> I got hurt like that before. I'm like, they're on Kesley's table. You 
bastard, you know. But uh, but but Kisley's kind of moved up, and he's he keeps threatening to come back and run games again, and we'd love to have him. But um, but you, you've got to have. So me and Eddie, what really sucked was nowadays we can back off and we run a few games just because we want to. I mean, we love gaming, and we know there are people that want to play with us, and so we throw them, you know, that bone. Um, but like the very first con, man, we had to run a ton of games because we didn't have enough people running games. And there's a guy named uh, Robert O that's here local that he ran a ton of games and there's other people that I'm probably forgetting and I apologize, but you know, that's, you're going to have to have some game masters lined up. And what helped in that regard was we started a local game club and as we, you know, talk with people and we learned like, okay, who can run games? Who's comfortable running games? You know, game master, mistress. We pulled them aside and said, hey, we're, we want to do this con coming up. Can we count on you to maybe run some games? And so that really helped us network and meet gamers and game masters in our community. So again, having a little game club, that doesn't hurt either. You know, that's sort of. Gotcha. And then, uh, see, the other thing would be, um, to, to kind of help promote it, you know, when Eddie and I were off doing um, DCC road crewing, we're, we're promoting DCC, but also we were promoting ourselves. And so people would play with us and go, hey, these guys are fun to game with. We're like, hey, you ought to come to our gaming convention, you know? So you, that's the thing. And we had to, we made the flyers and put those up in game stores and, Look, we're blessed that there's a lot of you know, really great people like uh, Geek World and Tyler. Uh, the guy owns it, Mark's always been really nice to us and super nice. Now there's uh, Dragon's Nest and Kilgore. The people that own it are some of the nicest people in the world, and they're just really want to do anything they can to help us promote the con, and we've helped promote their store. Great people. You know, so it's good to have a good rapport with your local, your friendly local game stores. You know, I think that's that would help as well. Mm -hmm. How many is that? that yeah, we're we're right around the the threshold there. It doesn't have to be exactly five. Um, it's something that I've been thinking about in in Nashville. Uh, we're a big town. There's a lot of people here, and you know, oddly enough, there there is a lot of people, or there are a lot of people who game around here, but none of them know each other. And so it's one of those things. I I wish someone would pull a convention together and. I, I keep hoping it doesn't have to be me, but the more I keep waiting for that convention to just yeah. show up one day, I'm just like, damn, maybe it has to be me. So That's what I've said to people. Cons are great for networking. You can meet local gamers and game masters, people looking for a group. You, you play a game with a guy at a con and go, hey, man, you're local and you run a great game. Can I get your, your information? You know I mean? That's what cons are great for you, just for that gamer networking, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, we, we do have a question here uh, from No Class RPG Podcast. I'm guessing that's Eddie. Uh, will we see another long con spring? Yeah, so Eddie loves to antagonize me. <laughs> and, uh, so there, and that's, that's, he, that's his, one of his favorite ways is long con spring. Maybe, I'll say maybe, you know. Um, but no, truth be known, I've had a number of people ask me, and I haven't told him this because I don't want to encourage him. But I've had a lot of people ask me about, you know, Long Con Spring. And um, we're in a new venue. We really want to swing for the fences and make a good first impression. So we didn't do a Spring Con this year. But we're going to knock their socks off because I know that we're going to have big numbers. 
sell a lot of rooms, buy a lot of booze. Did I say that? Um, <laughs> and food at the hotel. And they're going to be so enamored with us that they're going to consider letting us have some time and space during spring. But uh, but we've talked with the hotel about we kind of uh, what's the where I'm looking for kind of you know we kind of broached the subject with them and they let us know that that's their big wedding season. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I I'm, I'm I know the Long Conners. I've got faith they're gonna they're gonna blow the doors out, knock their socks off, and they'll be asking us to do a spring con, and then maybe I'll consent to do one. Mm-hmm. And uh, to to answer your uh, your booze. Uh, hint there that you dropped i will uh repurpose an old joke and say wherever there are four gamers you can always find a fifth i like that i like that well yeah, that's the big <laughs> joke uh, at uh north texas they have one battle tech game that anymore they call it bottle tech yep <laughs> but anyway and that's we're gonna have bottle tech at a uh, long con this year look out yeah. absolutely I, i've heard the legends of bottle tech yeah, yeah. Oh my, those those guys, man. They're they're great bunch, great bunch. And then uh, Crafty Matt has another question here in chat, uh, asking about the DCC road crew, and he wants to know uh, how you guys are kind of dealing with this explosion of gaming online. Whether you're uh, kind of pushing back against online gaming in favor of running in person or if you're trying to embrace it and get more people to to play the game even if it is online yeah so i mean that again great question and uh you know it's funny was uh whenever COVID started you know spiking i ran out and i bought this lovely headset microphone because i was going to do all i knew that was the coming trend was going to be uh you know uh online you know gaming and uh, I did a little bit of it, and I hated it. Yeah. And uh, I'm just, I'm kind of like the old dog, where I, nowadays everyone's pretty perfect, perfect reading a book on a pad or a tablet or, you know, whatever, something. I want my character sheet in front of me. I want a book in my hand, you know. And the kind of same principle, I, I like the social aspect of in-person gaming. And, um, and, and there were any number of reasons I think are valid that I don't want to, I guess I could enumerate, but... Just that online gaming, people that seem distracted or you'd look up and it's someone's turn. Well, where are they? Well, I went to feed the dog. You, now, during the game, or or one guy was gone so long, what happened? I went and walked the dog. I'm like, during the game? You know I mean? And Or the one guy sitting there smacking, eating his macaroni. He's eating his dinner. And, and cause so when people are in their own living room or comfort space or whatever, you know, I, I think, and then it's, what's wild is the game's, like after three hours, people are like, well, I'm out. You know, I mean, you could not even get three hours in. And I thought you figured you could go longer since they're in the comfort of their own home. We'll have to drive home and we, and drop people and poor connections. And it just, it aggravated me no end. I, I don't like to talk for other people, but I mean, I don't think I talk in a school. Eddie's not really fond of it either. And so, yeah, we really have been trying to encourage to get back to um, in-person gaming, but I won't lie. I mean, when we did, the, the, the hotel that we were with had always given us very good prices, the old one before. And when COVID hit, they were like, they, the owner, when I know, the general manager came to me and like said, please, please tell me you're not going to cancel your con. I said, well, that's up to the governor, you know, because that actually we were going to a spring con that year and it got canceled. Mm-hmm. And so I told the girl, I said, we'll see what the governor does. And he didn't close it down. So we ran it. But I'll say online, we had some people throw a lot of 
hate and shade or whatever on us. Like, how dare you have a con in the time of the COVID, you know, you bastards, you know, and it's just <laughs> like, oh, you know, but, um, and we didn't, if we were use every safety measure, everything you're supposed to do and no one got COVID at, at long con. We weren't COVID con. Um, yeah. thank God. But, um, but yeah, it was one of those, you know, things that we've tried to get back to local, local game stores to do un- in-person gaming. There's one of the stores that's still not allowing it as, I, as far as I understand. So, you know, I mean, what, when I, and that's their decision and I respect that, but yeah, I, I want to, I want to play games in person. Yeah. That's yeah. me. And, and, you know, I say this yeah. as a person who, who does a lot of work on a computer all day. There's, screen fatigue is a real thing. Uh, people get tired of just looking at a screen for, for extended periods of time. Um, it's, it, it's exhausting. It, it really, like, for, for a lot of people, it is uh, physically and emotionally exhausting. Uh, and it's not the same. And the other element that kind of works against uh, gaming online is as the dungeon master, you have a whole nother thing that you have to deal with, with, you know, whatever virtual tabletop you're using, uh, because it's one of those things where if you try theater of the mind, it's really hard to do online because there's nothing for people to look at and you're not there to engage each other face to face. So, you know, trying to make whatever thing you're using work and have everyone see it, everyone see what you're trying to do at the same time. That is exhausting as a, a dungeon master. So I'm right there with you. I hate gaming online uh, for a lot of reasons, and that's that's one of them. And, and the other thing is people need to be together. They need to be together not just... Uh, you know, to, to game, but also just to, to socialize, to, to know that there are other people out there who enjoy this thing. And that's why I think that that first North Texas that I went to in 2021 was such a huge breath of fresh air for me was it was one of those first events that I actually got to go to in person with other people. And we were just living life, gaming together and having a good time. So, you know, that's not something that can be understated just how important that is to human beings in general and, and gamers specifically that, you know, that physical togetherness is necessary and always yeah. will be necessary. Yeah. And in, in, uh, on our last podcast, we were talking about the upcoming one D and D in the virtual table and the virtual table looks really cool. I mean, it is very exciting, but I, I but again, this is one thing or thing I worry about that's going to, inhibit or you know that that social interaction that face-to-face in-person kind of thing and i hate that because some of these people they need social interaction you know this yeah. might be their one time with people that they trust and they feel comfortable with because we're all nerds and we all love this game and you're all getting together and, and i really hate anything that kind of um inhibits that or you know whatever i, I but oh well you know but i mean for those people that just absolutely love it and embrace it bravo enjoy it i would not disparage those people i mean enjoy it but it's just not my cup of tea mm-hmm. yeah it, and again some people have done some cool things with it um it's a godsend for streamers but yeah. for the rest of us who just want to get together with our friends and game um you know like crafty matt saying in the chat here virtual tabletop is a video game you're, you're essentially yeah. playing a video game with uh, other people 
you just so happen to be kind of you know running things uh it, it's not the same it, it really isn't the same i agree now there there is a question in chat here again from crafty matt uh do you have any information on what happened uh to the van game uh crafty matt says that he had a buddy that was invited to play and it ultimately didn't happen so i don't know if if you have any information on that or or not I don't, I don't follow Van game. Uh, I think there was a Goodman Games uh, Van game that happened. Uh, it might have been at uh, Gen Con. I don't remember. I, I didn't make it to Gen Con. Gotcha. So. Okay. Yeah. I, I really, the, the farthest afield I've been is, is Gary Con. We went to Gary Con mm-hmm. this year, but. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Eh, fair enough. But yeah, and, and yeah. Joe George here in chat is uh, is saying that it sounds like like you know Neverwinter, and yeah, that that kind of is the the same same kind of basic principle. There is. Uh, I mean, it's, it's funny for a while. Me and Eddie and a friend were playing on one of these Neverwinter Nights little free independent servers, and, and we had fun with it. But it's not really role play, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the limitation that even like the the fancy new virtual tabletop that Wizards is kind of rolling out and other similar ones, you're never going to be able to fully replicate what this thing is in person. There, a lot of the spontaneity leaves the game once you have digital assets that you have to worry about because. If you don't have a way to visualize it, then a lot of people can't imagine it. I don't know. It, well, I, and I think this, you had a project that you were going to work on your computer hmm. at, at home. You got all the distractions at your home. You got the TV running in the next room and you got all your e and comics or whatever. And there's all these distractions, these other things. That's the great thing when you go somewhere to play a game, you know, whether it's in that dedicated game room or at a, at a game store in a game. I mean, you can focus on the game. You know what I mean? I think there's too many distractions with this online virtual school. I don't know. It looks like we do have some clarification here on the, uh, the van game, uh, from, from Lou. It looks like, uh, Goodman games has parked a van as part of the, uh, the gaming setup they had at Gen Con. And some people played games in the van, but the general consensus was it was too small to run games in, so they set up a table next to it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I had seen images from inside the van or whatever. It, it looked cool. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've, that's one that I think you need to kind of go back to the drawing board on. You'd almost need, like, a, a RPG Winnebago at that point. Right, right. That You could put a lot of artwork on a Winnebago. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, gamers have a tendency to like nest when they sit down at a table, even if they're only going to be there for a few hours. You'll just see people, and I'm guilty of this as well. You just start setting stuff aside because everyone's got their dice bag, their you know their books, their, and you want to have everything spaced out. So you know you've got a big table and four gamers and a GM, and suddenly that big table doesn't seem so big anymore. Absolutely. I'm I'm lucky in that um, 
I found a table on Craigslist because it's hard to find a good wide table. You found a long one, but it's hard to find. And there was one that I think had originally been in a church. So this beautiful carvings and whorls on the legs, but the top was scratched up real bad. But I've got one of those big, super giant-sized uh, neoprene you know, gaming mats that covers the scratched-up top. And it's a nice, just really broad you know, table, and I have it in my game room. But uh, Eddie and his son helped me move it. And when they, they, we got it in there, they went, that's it. It, it, it stays in this house. We'll never, yeah. don't even have yeah. You know, I think they were called, they, always, they referred to Matt as Flintstone furniture. Because <laughs> it weighed like a ton, you know, this table. And we had to corkscrew it and turn it. We had to use some physics and geometry to get it into that, into my game room. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's something I always wonder about with those big-ass gaming tables that you see online where uh, people are like, we build custom gaming tables. I'm just like, who's carrying that into my house? That thing looks heavy as hell. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you still, you're like, hmm. You yeah. Know. Yep. It. Yeah. If this office weren't so small, I I might pull the trigger on one of those. But th- this office is not going to fit a gaming table and my desk and everything in it. So yeah, that's maybe someday. Maybe dream a little dream. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as far as what you guys have, uh, you know, cooking for this year's long con, is there anything that you want to tell people about uh, just to get them excited for the convention coming up in November? It's just a few months away. Uh, What can people expect when they show up in Longview this year for long con? Well, I mean, we're we're really blessed. Longview's got some really, really good eats. I mean, we're not far from Louisiana. You can get some good Cajun food here. Uh, you know, we can, there's some dynamite barbecue and we, you know, and in fact, we had a group of people come from Austin last year, great bunch of guys They're the, uh, they're the dragoons and, uh, just a great bunch. And they were like, Hey, we're going to get a good hamburger. And I don't see how the chain places stay open. Cause we have a place called Juicy's mm-hmm. that have these burgers that you just bite it and you hear the angels sing, you know I mean? It's. <laughs> So good. And so we, we've got a lot of good eats here locally. Um, even like Brendan LaSalle gushed about some catfish he got not far from the hotel. He walked out one night and just got some catfish down the, down the street. So we've got good eats here. Um, and we're going to have some really good games. Like we've got, as far as like special guests, this is the year we kind of went crazy. Me and Eddie were both like, what were we thinking? But we're, we've got David Beatty coming. And Weird Frontiers is finally out. We're so excited. He's going to be running that. We've got Brendan LaSalle coming. And he's going to premiere a game uh, there, and he's going to play, run a lot of cool stuff, you know. Um, he's got a really neat, he sent us the list of games, and we're just like, you know, it's so cool. Uh, we've got Sean Roberson of uh, Riffs and Palladium. He's coming, and he's going to be doing probably some Riffs or uh, uh, Savage Worlds Riffs. Um, we've got John Watson of Torg, and I think, you know, uh, some other people from Torg, you know, the game company coming. Um, feel like I'm, I'm forgetting somebody. I'm, it's been a long day, <laughs> but no, I mean, we've got a lot of cool special guests, and then we've got really a lot of guys that. Well, yeah, we've got uh, your bit uh, uh, yeah, my bad. We got Bill Barsh coming, and he's going to be running. Um, last year we had this incredible setup. We got all this gorgeous Dwarven Forge terrain, and we did a big conference room table covered with it, and it's a big dungeon, and, it's, and we call it Dash for Cash. And your character within the, the time slot of this, 
you know, game slot, you try to acquire as much loot and kill enough beasties as you can. But, you know, anyway, but if like your character dies, you have to pay a cash penalty to bring in another character. So you decide, like, do I cash out and stop or do I bring in another character? And it's a lot of fun. And we actually absolutely stole the idea from Bill Barks because he did this at um, North Texas a couple of years ago. And we liked it so much. We took the idea, but our terrain's so gorgeous. So we perfect uh, blend. We're going to have Bill running the games, but he's using our gorgeous terrain. And Bill's a lot of fun to game with in, in any kind of a competitive game. He's he's just great uh, fun. So I'm really excited about him doing that. we got Ben Burns coming, and, man, nobody runs Cthulhu like Ben Burns. I mean, he's, like, legendary. So he's coming. He's going to run Call of Cthulhu. Uh, and he's got his Kickstarter going on right now, Zeta Complex. Check it out. If you like paranoia, I'm not saying it's paranoia, wink, wink, you know, <laughs> but it's yep. – you know, uh, it's it's phenomenal. I, I couldn't kickstart that fast enough. And there's there's probably something I'm forgetting and I feel terrible. There's even people that aren't special guests, but we're blessed. We've got some phenomenal game masters that run really great games. And so, I mean, you're going to have a, a really great time. Um, we've got the, the new digs are really awesome. And vendors, we've got some great vendors. We've got um, David Donahue coming from Eden Games. He's always got such a cool mix of... Uh, old school stuff and new school stuff. And there's people that have found something that is death. They're like, I've only heard about this. I've never even seen before. Like, wow. You know, and he's, and he charges very reasonable prices. And we've got, uh, the, you know, the frogs are coming and, uh, we, you know, uh, Ben's going to vend and, uh, you know, so and some other people so we're really, we're excited about. And what's great is we don't charge for people to come in and interact with our vendors. Like some, some of these cons, you pay to interact with vendors, but we don't want to inhibit our vendors making money. People will come in off the street that don't even tend to game that buy cool stuff from our vendors. And so, yeah, we, you know, we like that. We're really excited for all that. It just, it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, we always get a lot of praise about how we set our slots up and stuff. And uh, anyway, yeah, so we can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to get excited because it's, it's going to be here before you know it, you know, here in uh, early November. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, as we're kind of you know running up against our time here, I do want to give you the chance to once again shout out uh, the the places where people can find uh, No Class RPG podcast and especially uh, the the Twitch content as well. Uh, we've had several questions about how to get notified of when that's coming. Uh, so you know, if you can tell people where to find uh, what you guys are doing, uh, I think the the boneheads out there would appreciate that. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks, Boneheads. So definitely, if you want to listen to the No Class RPG podcast, we're on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, and Eddie has been diligently been uploading our old episodes to YouTube. So we're on YouTube now as well, at least the older ones. And I think he's getting close to caught up. But definitely, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, and then we're on the Goodman Games Twitch channel for our live stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, once again, everyone, Long Con is happening November, is it 10th, 11th, and 12th, or 11th, 12th, and 13th? 11th, 12th, and 13th in okay. Longview, Texas. Uh, you can find us on Tabletop Events. Got all the information there. Um, and if not, you can always reach out to, to Eddie or I, and we'll be glad to, to give you the deets. Um, 
just really excited. We got a lot of cool stuff to give away and uh, to to our to our long conners. And uh, I just I, I can't wait. It's 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 like a homecoming. There's the people that come early Thursday night and just we'll we'll yeah. I can't wait to see all of our friends. Absolutely. And uh, is registration or is uh, are people still able to submit events if they want to run games at LongCon? Absolutely. We're open for buying tickets and submitting games. Um, and uh, you'll, you know, the actual people will be able to start clamoring October 1st or somewhere early in October is when we open up for people to start picking games. You know, they're, But you can submit games absolutely right now. Buy your tickets, submit games. Um, absolutely. All right. Awesome. So those of you who are able to make it out this year, uh, definitely check out LongCon. Sounds like there's going to be a great lineup of people. And uh, don't be a freeloader as uh, a fellow. Uh, his first name was Kelly. I can't remember his last name. Uh, once almost accused me of being at North Texas before I set him straight and told him that I was, in fact, running a game there. Uh, sign up to run a game if you if you run games. You know, just you know, show up and, and spread that love to other people because... Part of what makes this thing work is everyone running games. So if you can run a game, run a game by Thunder. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. You're, I couldn't say any better. That's that's true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. True. Well, thank you for having me on. I, I feel honored to be in such, you know, auspicious company as, you know, Levi and Lou. And I guess you'll even let scoundrels like me and Bad Mike on here. You know <laughs> I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Rolling Bones. Uh, Matt, I'm so glad that you were able to join us and, and talk about uh, this convention and the, the DCC stuff that you do. This has been a great conversation. Anytime you want to come back on, uh, just let me know, and, and we'll bring you on. We'll bring Eddie on. Uh, I, you know, I, I love to support people who are you know running conventions like this that, that draw uh, the old-school family together. Thanks, man. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And uh, next week is obviously Labor Day. I've got family in town, so we won't have Rolling Bones that week. But the week after that, September 12th, I'm going to be joined on here by the basic expert. Uh, I first encountered him when I was on Legion of Myth. Uh, I feel like he and I are going to have a great conversation, so uh, I hope you guys will tune in. Not next week, but the week after next, September 12th, when the basic expert and I have our first conversation. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you guys are looking forward to it. And uh, remember, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I will see you guys next time.